You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Absolute sports betting degeneracy. Welcome to the zoo. With Sex Panther and Chubby Zebra. Hey everybody, welcome to the zoo. Week two college football. I'm Sex Panther, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend Chubby Zebra. What's going on, Zebra? Uh, just another day in uh, college football paradise. <laughs> not not as great a slate of games as maybe Week One offered, but um, you know, before we jump into the games, we'll take a look back, maybe at some of the key games that we bet on last week. Uh, I went four and three. A couple of them I kind of thought might be some crap shoots. You know, you even you even talked about uh, last week where we should have bought that half a point on on Cincinnati against Arkansas. That ended up being a half point loss for us. But uh, how'd you do last week? Uh, I started out hot. I started out one and zero on Friday, and I probably should have just stopped at that point because followed it up with an zero and four Saturday. So. One and four on the season, uh, assuming everything's a one-unit play. That's 3.4 units in the hole, and you need to right the ship this week, do a little better. Uh, season totals are kind of plodding along just as I expected. The only thing that's really hurt me so far was Nebraska's loss to Northwestern, but they did come back with a win they should have got last week. Um, everything else went as planned, so um, season totals uh, right now are right on schedule. Yeah, season totals. I'm a, it was a bittersweet ending for that LSU game because uh, I took LSU for the under and the season totals, but stupid me, I bet them in that game. Uh, I don't know why I would bet on Brian Kelly after a dozen years. You would think I would know better. Any uh, any takeaways, any specific games you want to look at from last week real quick? Uh, no, like you had said, last week, you know, they, they 
they have started playing some really good games in week one to, to kind of get the season started before we never had these in early September or late August. Uh, we're back to the kind of, eh, let's just kind of see where we're at situation with the non-conference games. A few conference games sprinkled in, but college football is doing a little bit better of giving us better games in early September, and there are a few this week. Yeah, and I think with a 12-team playoff, uh, kind of looking, looks like 2024, I'm seeing that they're being very aggressive in the talks. Um, that'll make even more early season games, you know, honestly, probably a little bit less important because you can rebound, especially if it's a non-conference game, you can rebound that uh, by winning your conference. But uh, we'll get to work here. We got nine games to look at. And once again, looks like you're going to start on a Friday night. Yeah, I'm, I, I am starting with um, going back to the Louisville well. Um, Louisville, uh, you know, an embarrassing road loss last week at Syracuse. And I was on, on Louisville. I was high on Malik Williams, and they, they did nothing but let me and everyone else down. My question is, is this week's line an overreaction? If you look at deeper into the box score, you're going to see that Louisville crossed the Syracuse 40-yard line a total of five times and came away with a grand total of seven points. Anything and everything that could go wrong went wrong for Louisville uh, in that situation last week. Again, I was promoting Malik Cunningham as to be like, a, you know, talking about a Heisman candidate after his week one performance, and uh, that just didn't happen. I expect a rebound performance this week. UCF, they they beat South Carolina State 56-10, to 10, so there's really nothing that we can learn from that game. The Knights' new quarterback is Ole Miss transfer John Rise Plumley, who never lived up to his four-star rating with Ole Miss. They do return eight starters on their defense, but the three losses were on the D-line, including an All-American um, all Athletic Conference performer. They did not rank well in rushing success rate in 2021, and that's not going to bode well with the dual-threat quarterback they're facing and the losses on the defensive line. This game opened up at 5.5, quickly got bet up to 6.5. Again, that might be an overreaction to Louisville's poor performance last week. I'm hoping it gets to 7 by Friday, but even if it doesn't, I'm going to take Louisville plus a 6.5 in a, a rebound spot this week. All right, I'm still showing it at Caesars. It's still showing five and a half, but you know, there's 19,000 books out there where you can find different lines. I was tempted when I started going through my slate of games. I was really tempted to look at this game. I did give it a glance. I'm on the opposite side. I'm, I'm a big believer in Central Florida, the Knights. You know, it's not only that they beat a nobody, but I'm looking back at what they did last year and some of the teams that they beat and the overall offensive production from this week one game. 605 yards of offense is pretty impressive no matter who you're playing. Louisville gave up 449 to Syracuse. So whatever, you know, struggles they had on offense, I don't know if they get a pass on defense uh, so I, like, I like central Florida. It's a home game. Um, I, I didn't bet it because, you know, we talked a little bit this week and I'm just kind of giving you a little bit of respect here. You seem to be high on Louisville, so I hope you win it, but I'm leaning the Knights. All right, next game up, we're going to go out to air force. We're going to talk about two teams that, well, basically was on last week, Colorado at air force, uh, wasn't really on Colorado was against Colorado. Uh, I think that was our your one win last week, uh, TCU taking care of the Buffaloes. Now they go on to take on the Air Force Academy. 
you know, they're still running that, that triple wishbone thing that they, that they do. And they, they murder people on the ground last week alone. They went for 582 yards on the ground. Now granted it's Northern Iowa. I get it. Don't get excited about that, but still this is the offense that they run. Most teams don't prepare for it. Uh, they, they really don't have any way of, you know, you, you prepare your defense for a 12 game season. And then along comes air force with their 1942 offense. Uh, and it throws people for a loop. It's very difficult. And they're very, very good at it. Uh, the flip side, Colorado. I mean, look, they suck at this point. If the, if the line is a manageable number, I'm probably just going to fade them. So not only is air force, a really, really good team, a disciplined team, they don't turn the ball over. Uh, you know, I, I love air force here. So, 17 and a half, I think is very doable. I'm jumping on the Falcons minus the 17 and a half. TCU last week put up 275 yards on the ground against the Buffs, averaged 9.2 yards per carry. If if a non-traditional, you know, running team can put up that kind of number against the Buffs, who can't? Zebra's pretty proud of this one. Zebra's never going to be allowed in Boulder, maybe not even the state of Colorado. Because <laughs> I sniffed this one out early in the season. Remember, I'm calling for Colorado to go under three for the season total and said they could potentially go 0-12. Uh, it's not going to get any better. And 17 and a half point favorite to one of your non-conference opponents. Granted, it is a power five school in TCU. Doesn't bode well for the bus for the rest of the season. TCU should roll in this one. I'm not going to play it, but if I were I, like you, I'd lay the points. Yeah, this this TCU was last week, Air Force this week. you you you, you're still with Air Force. You've been saying TCU. Yeah, that's I, that's what I meant. Okay. I, I would I would lay the points with Air Force. It's not going to get any better for Colorado. TCU, no, it's, TCU it's rolled them. This is their non-Power 5 opponent. This is the only non-Power 5 opponent they have all season. Yeah, and in Air Force, is no patsy by any stretch. You know, the funny thing about that game, last week they toyed around with the passing game a little bit. Hazik Daniels threw the ball six times, completed three of them for 109 yards and a touchdown. If the Air Force is going to get 100 yards in passing, and mixed in with 500 yards of rushing, <laughs> it's going to be a long season for their opponents. Uh, next game up, what are you looking at? I'm going to go to West Point and, and take another service academy of our great country. University of Texas, San Antonio visits the Army. Uh, UTSA, they lost a tough one last week to Houston. And what may have been an instant classic, when you look at the box score, it shows that UTSA probably could have actually come out victorious in this game. The Roadrunners averaged almost two yards more per play, including a 45% success rate on offense. And if not for a deflection in their own territory that was intercepted, they probably win the game by a touchdown. Question is, can they put that one behind them as they go to a, go to West Point to attack Army? Army's defense struggled, to say the least, last week at Coastal Carolina. And much like Grayson McCall had success. Frank Harris should repeat that script this week. Harris had almost 400 yards uh, versus a good Houston defense, and he should easily duplicate that feat this week. UTSA's defensive was solid against Houston's rush attack. Most of Houston's success came on quarterback scrambles. Army obviously runs the ball, you know, at a 90% clip, and they're not quarterback scrambles. So UTSA's front will be tested, but I think they're up for the challenge. Farnaby puts together some long, sustained scoring drives. UTSA should be able to match them score for score, and then a few more. I'm going to take the road team 
and take Texas San Antonio and lay the two and a half at Army. Yeah, I, I actually completely agree. Not a game I'm on, but I did get, give this one a look. And I I've liked San Antonio. I liked them a lot last year. And it's very interesting. This team has not been around very long. I think they haven't even been around a decade, I don't believe. But they've put together, you know, good recruiting and they put together a very competitive team. You know, you saw last year uh, in at the end of the year when they lost to San Diego State, they, they were in that game. Uh, for a long time going against Houston, who's been a, a quality mid-major taking that to three overtimes uh, stayed off that game because it was going to be too close. And it was the thing that's got me off of this game is I, I don't think that highly of army. I mean, I think they're a good team, a decent team, not a, a better than average team. And yet the line was only two and a half. That really kind of spooked me. Cause I think the Roadrunners should actually win this by, you know, maybe 10 or more points. So I'm in agreement with you. It's just that that line threw me off a little bit. All right, next game up, we're going out to the West Coast. We're going to take a look at USC at Stanford. Now, I'm going to be guilty here. I'm going to come right out of the gate and tell you, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. Yes, it was only Rice, but 25 for 30 passing for 330 yards, 200 more rushing means Leakin Riley has this offense humming. Stanford only averaged 20.3 points per game in uh, 2021 and never hit that mark in their last five games. The defense gave up 36.4 points per game in the final seven games last season, all losses. And then you look and, you know, they beat Colgate. So I'm not giving Stanford really anything. Just like USC, we I don't know if we can take anything away from beating the crap out of rice but it, the upside with lincoln riley the offense he literally brought his own quarterback from oklahoma over to usc to to run this offense boy i i wrote this down last night we had nine points and i thought that was a gift now it's moved down to eight and a half so something shady going on with this line Am, am I on the wrong side here, Zebra? Because I'm jumping all over the Trojans. I, I don't see why people wouldn't. Um, you know, last week I was on Rice, and if not for the three pick sixes, uh, maybe they cover that 34 and a half number, but they obviously didn't. UC, USC put up a bunch of offense. You're right. Lincoln Riley has it cooking already out there. I don't know why. I, the line is moving that direction. It would concern me a little bit, but that USC offense looks to be clicking already. Uh, the Williams to Addison connection is, is rolling. They're rushing the ball. They and obviously with three pick sixes, I don't care who you're playing. You go with three pick sixes, the defense is ball hawking and, and, you know, trying to score when they get an opportunity. I'm not playing it, but I don't see why it shouldn't be a double digit win for USC, but, they do play the games on the field for a reason, but but I'm I'll, I'll give you some moral support on this one. I think you're on the right side. I'll take all the moral support I can get. Uh, next game up, I think we're looking at Baylor against BYU. Yeah, this one, uh, you know, it's a battle between a couple ranked teams. Baylor's ninth, I believe, and BYU's twenty-one. It wasn't really on my radar, but then I started looking at it, going, "This is a game that that I need to I need some action on." So I had to dive into it a little bit. A lot of people might question why BYU is is favored versus a top 10 team, but based on their their dominating win over South Florida and a traditionally good home record, you know, it does make sense. Baylor's strength is in their run defense, 
and you're not able to read a whole lot into last week's win versus Albany, but that defense will be put to the test this week. BYU averaged 8.7 yards per carry at South Florida. They put up over 300 yards on the ground, uh, led by Christopher Brooks, 135. So it wasn't all one person. It was spread out a little bit. Jaron Hall is a very good quarterback, and the offensive line protecting him is as solid as ever. Baylor quarterback Blake Shapin, he should see pressure like he hasn't seen in quite some time from the BYU defensive line. Last week, BYU had a 58% stuff rate, and that should make it tough for Baylor to run the ball. That's going to cause Shapin to, you know, he's going to have to make some plays. And I think by having to make some plays, that's that's not his best style for his offense. I, I think for Baylor to leave Provo with a win, he's going to have to do something special, and I just don't see it happening. I'm not sure he's consistent enough for, to, to make that work. BYU just can't be looking ahead to Oregon. I don't know why you'd look ahead when you got a top-10 team coming to town. But I'm going to take BYU, and that line is going anywhere from 2.5 to 3.5. I If you got to find it at 3, that's the num- that's the sweet number. But I wouldn't even be afraid to lay three and a half, hoping the hook doesn't get me. But get on the three if you can get it. Yeah, this is a game that I am on. So uh, much like last week, there's there, there's a I think there's two games that we're on, but I'm on the other side. So this is the second game of a home and home that you know Baylor won 38 to 24 last year uh, at home. And, and honestly, 14 points, it really wasn't even that close. You, you mentioned Baylor quarterback Blake Shapin, 17 of 20 for 214 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Yes, it's Albany. Let's go back to 2021. He did get some, some playing time in 2021, 62 of 86 for 596 yards, five touches, no picks. So again, what I'm seeing here in, in the limited you know, production that we've seen from this guy he doesn't turn the ball over and that's that's what you want to see from your quarterback on the other side BYU I mean Jaron Hall this kid can sling it he was 25 of 32 last week for 261 two touches and one pick but 2021 he went from 189 for 296 almost 2600 yards 20 touchdowns only five picks so again another guy that protects the ball I think we're going to see maybe a little bit more offense than Vegas suspects, or maybe even you suspect, seeing a total here of 53 and a half, which I, I just kind of blows my mind since we were at what 62 last year. I don't know if we get that high, but I, I think there's going to be some scoring here. You look at Baylor's defense, I, mean, I ignored Al- Albany, you don't care about, but you go back to last year, their bowl game, they held uh, Ole Miss to seven points, Oklahoma State to 16 points, Texas Tech to 24, Kansas State to 10. Like this defense can show up. I like Baylor to get the back-to-back wins against BYU so much, I'm not even taking the three points. We're going to money line Baylor at plus 135 for the one unit. Go well, there's win. no way we can both win that, but um, good good luck to you. And based on last week's performance, uh, maybe the folks should back you. Well, I don't know. <laughs> if you listen to the daily, nobody ever backs me. <laughs> All right, this is the time where we're actually going to normally just take a break and I give you the spiel about Arch and whatever, but we're just going to pause right here and Mad Max is going to insert a commercial break and we'll be right back. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, 
offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. If you're interested, you guys want to comment or, or uh, get with me, let me know what kind of commercial you got. We always like to chart that because they do that based on where you live and what you normally listen to or whatever the algorithms and cookies are. It's kind of fascinating to uh, see what happens. But uh, next game up, Zebra. I think we're going to the state of Iowa. We are going to Iowa, a state that you used to drive across on a regular basis but no longer visit. Don't miss it. <laughs> my question is why would anyone even watch this game after Iowa's performance last week, let alone bet on it? I- Iowa's offense was beyond embarrassing against South Dakota state where their defense scored four and their offense scored three. The defense and special teams were outstanding while the offense was, well, let's just say putrid. Uh, that offense has nowhere to go, but up the uh, Iowa's won this game six consecutive years. And only twice has that winning margin been a field goal or less. Iowa's defense is going to once again shine versus an Iowa State law offense, offense that lost a ton of production, running back, quarterback, lineman. Other than the 2017 game, Iowa State has scored 17, 3, 3, 17, and 17 points in the Cyhawk game. Iowa's defense steps up in this game versus little brother year in and year out. And this might be the best defense they've had in a decade. The offense is going to be improved enough this week to make it seven straight in the state rivalry game. I like Iowa, not like the number three and a half, but I think they're going to cover it in what will be a low scoring game. Yeah. It seems like Iowa comes out of the gate slow every single year. I think one thing you can count on from Kirk Ferentz is a, a, what a nine and three season about every single year. Um, they, they have been big brother to Iowa State. Iowa State's vastly improved. When you look at last season, in close games, their ability to finish games, they weren't there. They lost to Texas Tech by three. They lost to Oklahoma by a touchdown. They lost to Clemson by a touchdown. Like They, they just can't finish games. I, I do expect this to be a close game. It usually is between these two schools. But I don't even know if I'd get behind that three and a half. I might just flat out money line it. But I'm with you. I think... The Iowa Hawkeyes take care of business. All right. I mean, that offense can't get any worse. It can't get I'm any worse. You've got to figure they worked on it all week and 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 got to a point where it's going to be watchable, and that defense is very good. Oh, and you expect that. I mean, that's what Iowa brings to the table. They, they have an excellent defense every single year. All right, one of the bigger games, at least on paper, I think, uh, on the weekend, we're taking a look at Alabama – at Texas. Now, this is you know, usually a game like this is a neutral site game, but it is not. It is in Austin, Texas. Uh, you on this game, Zebra? I am. I, I wasn't originally. You said you were going to get on it, so I started looking at it. You know, Alabama's going to play its first 
true non-conference road game since beating Penn State 27 to 11 in 2011. So in 11 years, Alabama has not played a true non-conference road game. That victory 11 years ago moved Nick Saban's non-conference road record to where it currently stands, a stellar 2-0. He's played (laughs) two true road games, non-conference road games in his tenure at Alabama. So we got no trends to use here and, and really nothing to go off from last week. Alabama easily disposed of Utah State and Texas blasted you. Louisiana Monroe, 20 points is a huge number for a road team to have be laying, and it's extremely tempting just to take the home team just because of that reason. Is Quinn Ewers going to live up to the hype? Can B. John Robinson keep getting yards and big chunks against an NFL defense? I think Texas has a chance to regain some of its national prominence under Starkeesian, but this week it's not going to appear that's anywhere in the near future. Alabama's offense is going to continue to roll, put up 40, maybe even 50 points. They're going to cover this huge number. I'm taking Alabama and laying the 20. Holy crap. I don't think I ever thought I'd see you take a team and give up three touchdowns. But listen, I can't disagree. I mean, second-year coach Steve Sarkeesian, take the Texas part of it out of it. Like he's just not been an incredibly successful coach anywhere he's been. I think he's just kind of been limping along uh, since his USC tenure. He had a little, you know, that a couple years under Nick Saban and maybe that got him this job, but I'm just not a big Sarkeesian fan. A 52 and 42 career record as a head coach doesn't really get me excited. Alabama won eight times in 2021 by 20 or more points. So it's not like them covering 20 is that hard. And when you, you think about, you know, dispatch the Louisiana Monroe's and the Utah States and the, the shit teams for them to do that eight times, they beat some really good teams because they play in the SEC West and that's a pretty loaded division. Um, expect Bryce young to have a big day. I, I Texas is not an incredibly good, talented defensive team they do give up points and chunks against better teams hell even last year they gave up 57 to kansas the jayhawks not a better team uh one of the things i got an eye on here for texas though that i I probably keep an eye on all year long is quarterback quinn ewers i think there's pressure on him to perform just because you know he's the nil transfer over from ohio state but you've got arch manning due to arrive on campus next year and if he at least wants to keep manning on the sidelines for his freshman year um you know yours has to actually put up some stats win some games and this is the biggest showcase he's going to have all season long but um you know i i it's alabama i mean it's freaking alabama i just don't think he scores enough points you know and looking at the 52 that 52 to 10 last week looks kind of really good but of the 52 14 of those were off of special teams and uh, a pick six that went back to the house. So they actually only mustered 383 total yards of offense. That's not going to get it done against Alabama. Uh, So I'm with you. This is kind of like a a zoo kiss of death, if you will. I'm laying the 20 points on the Crimson Tide as well. Yeah, you mentioned Ewers and, and Arch Manning showing up on campus next year. Just out of curiosity, if Ewers does indeed graduate, Where's his diploma going to be from? I mean, he's going to have a year at Ohio State, a year at Texas, and then a year somewhere else when Arch beats him out next year. 
My guess is he probably does. He's probably a, a redshirt sophomore. He probably has enough credits to be a sophomore. Like it's kind of hard to gain any traction if you're jumping from school to school to school. Uh, I, I would be interested to see what his transcripts look like, but um, he's probably still good. I wouldn't be surprised if he's still there and maybe, maybe unless Manning is that flipping good, uh, they redshirt Manning as his uh, freshman year. Uh, hard to say that you might only get two years of production out of him because he might go after three, but who knows? The One thing to take a peek at this game is potentially first half numbers. Alabama likes to get out to quick starts. Uh, with, you know, laying 20, you're always weary of a potential backdoor cover, especially if Texas were to leave their starters in the entire game, you know, get down 30 points and then put up maybe a couple garbage touchdowns at the end uh, to make it look like it's closer than it really was. Take a peek at the first half, and if you can get that number under 10, nine and a half or less, uh, might be a good shot to take a play on a first half on Alabama. I agree. Just to uh, add to that thought is uh, Alabama was up 41 to nothing at halftime last week. So, you know, to, to support your argument, they do like to get out and score and get that big early lead. I think Nick Saban just likes to look at his younger guys because he, he kicks people out so fast going to the NFL. Uh, a game that we're going to look at here, uh, one of our uh, subscribers on the book club in, the, in our Discord channel, Nardog, uh, asked us if we were going to take a look at Kentucky at Florida. Now, this is a game I did look at, but I wasn't on. I'm sure you looked at it as well. What's your thoughts on Kentucky at Florida? Uh, this is a game that I'm going to look at a lot Saturday afternoon because it's going to be on one of my TVs. Um <laughs> You know, last week, Kentucky easily disposed of Miami of Ohio, 37-13. Uh, Will Levis is the real deal. He was 21 completions, 300 yards, three touchdowns. They did only have 50 yards on 26 carries, which is less than two yards per carry, and that's a little concerning against the Miami of Ohio defense. On the flip side, their defense allowed 111 yards on 32 carries, about 3.5 yards per carry. Uh, the, the, Florida obviously had a much tougher task meeting Utah at home 29-26 in a, in a very entertaining game. Anthony Richardson does appear to be the real deal. How he did not get more playing time by from Dan Mullen is beyond me. Uh, you know, 17-24 for 168 yards through the air and another 106 gained on the ground last week. Florida put up 451 yards on 63 plays against Utah, which is – you know, the pride of the Pac-12 right now, 7.2 yards per play. Uh, their defense only, you know, they gave up 216 yards passing. Maybe that's a little concern with Levis coming to town. My question is, will Florida be able to continue to ride the emotions that they had from last week's win? It's college football. You see it every year in every program. Major wins. You think they're headed in the right direction. They come out, look flat as a pancake the following year. I love the coaching hire. Uh, that Florida had in Billy Napier. I think uh, Florida's gain is LSU's loss. He was right there in their backyard, and they should have got him instead of Brian Kelly. Uh, and not only did they lose him, they lost him to a conference team. Kentucky has won 2 of 4 in this series, and they're 4-0-1 in the last five against the number. I think quarterback, quarterback play is going to determine this one. Uh, I would lean towards the more polished quarterback in Levis plus getting the points. I'm leaning Kentucky plus the five and a half and for this to go over 51 and a half. I'd, I'd have leans on those. No plays right now. Looking forward to watching this game. 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching this game as well. One of the things I wanted to be very cautious of was overreacting to that big Florida win last week. Um, you know, you talked about Anthony Richardson. Not only are his stats impressive, but you watch that that two point conversion that they did, uh, where he did the spin move and then threw it in the back of the end zone. Like this guy passes the eyeball test as well. He he's got some serious talent. I like Anthony Richardson here. A um, couple of things that I looked at Kentucky last year gave up 30 points only three times. Coincidentally, they lost all three of those games. So for Kentucky, I think 30 is the magic number, keeping Florida under 30 because Florida scored 30 points or more six times last year, and they won five of those games. So I, I, I expect this to have, there's some decent scoring uh, despite what we think of both these defenses. You know, we talked about Kentucky's defense. Florida, granted, Utah, much better opponent, but they gave up 230 yards on the ground. Um, that does leave a little bit of pause on their run defense. You'd like to see them shore that up. And against a Kentucky team that only ran for 50, uh, maybe they will. Kentucky won last year 20-13, to 13, and, and Florida wasn't even very good last year. So I, I don't know yet if Florida's good, but they're definitely better than they were last year. I like Florida at home in the swamp. I just don't like a minus six. So I think I'm probably leaning Kentucky plus the points or I don't know. I'd money line the Gators, maybe slip them into a parlay or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I think I like Kentucky just because the six points feels like that's a bit too much, too many points. All right. Anything else from you zebra? No, those, those were my five plays, and, you know, one and four is not going to pay the rent. The heck, two and three won't even pay the rent. But I've got a 3.4 unit hole to dig out of, and the, uh, the digging has begun this week, and we're looking to put up a little better performance. Well, let's see. Speaking of better performance, we got one more game we're going to take a look at. It's always the final game. Marshall is at Notre Dame. You know, the Notre Dame-Ohio State game was was – I mean, it was the talk of the weekend. Uh, I'd read a stat where they said that was the highest rated uh, opening weekend game in over a decade. So it, it drew uh, a lot of watchers. It was a, for the most part, it was a good game, but um, we're, I'm going to break this down a little bit. This is the one that I wrote the most notes down. So here we go. You know, Marcus Freeman in my, this is just, Takeaway, immediate takeaway. He's two games into the season, but he's picking up right where Brian Kelly left off. Can't win the big game against ranked opponents. He's 0-2 to start his tenure with losses to two top 10 teams. Uh, there's plenty of positives to take away from the loss to Ohio State. The defense opened the eyes of many as they played an almost perfect game. Wasn't a fan of that blitz that gave up a touchdown, but they might have to work on their conditioning if the offense isn't going to stay on the field. The, the sheer number of three and outs by that Notre Dame offense, I, I'm, I don't want to beat up on Notre Dame because Ohio State got a, they improved their defense last year. They got a new coordinator this year. I don't want to sit here and say, oh, Notre Dame just choked the chicken here. Ohio State had a hell of a defensive plan, and they kept Notre Dame on their toes. So I will give Ohio State props for that. For all the positives there are for the defense, I'm struggling to find much on the offense, though. Tyler Buckner started the game 8-for-8 passing, only to finish the game 2-of-10. On the plus side, the offense didn't turn the ball over, so do like that. 
but the running game only averaged 2.5 yards per carry and saw the quarterback log the most carries. That, that kind of raised a concern for me. I don't want my quarterback out there running more than the running backs. Wide receiver was another concern coming from that game uh, as Buckner only completed 10 passes. Five of them were to the tight end. Everybody else, the other five completions were to five different receivers. He's got he's got to find somebody that's a go-to. It can't be Mayer all the time. Looking at this game, you know, I, I expect the Notre Dame offense to generate some more points, but I, I just can't help to walk away from last week's game not feeling overly optimistic about Notre Dame scoring. And when you're looking at a line of 20 and a half points, this isn't Louisiana Monroe. This isn't Rice. This isn't Colorado. Marshall is a good team. Marshall's been a good team for a long time. They've given us people like Chad Pennington and Randy Moss. I mean, they, they put players in the NFL. Uh, I, I have no doubt in my mind that Notre Dame wins this game, but 20 and a half feels like way too many. I'm taking Marshall plus the points for one unit. I I, I don't blame you at all there. Notre Dame last week, defense, thumbs up. I mean, Irish fans, you should be really happy about what you see on defense. The offense looks like they didn't even have a plan. Uh, when was the last time you saw a college team run 48 plays in the game? That's not like Army. That They just – they were slow. They were methodical. They they only put the ball in the air 18 times. Their yards per play was a very solid 5.3 to Ohio State's 5.7. So they did gain yards when they when they had plays, but they just didn't run enough plays. And if that's going to continue, they're not going to cover three touchdowns. There's, I, I don't see any way possible. I think this offense needs to to get some confidence. Yes, I know they've got injuries. They need to start playing like, you know, their division one top 10 athletes on an offense. And I, I don't know if Ohio State had something to do with that. I don't know if the injuries, I don't know what it was, but I think you're going to see a different game plan from Notre Dame this week. I'd still take the, the 21 just for the simple fact that you said Marshall is a bowl caliber team uh, and everybody when they go into Notre Dame. I mean, that this kid's, this is the biggest game of these kids life. It's going to be the most exciting game of their life in the, from the conference they come to, they bring their a game just that alone. And, and what we've seen from Notre Dame, I I've got to go with you and lean Marshall, but I think we're going to start seeing a little bit different Notre Dame offense uh, moving forward. That begins this week. Yeah. I worry that, um, like I said, the, the Brian Kelly factor, which just kind of only uses the conservative side of the playbook. I didn't like the way they didn't try and stretch the field or, or make Ohio State back up. And, and, and maybe that's the wide receivers. Maybe it was a play calling, maybe a little both. But it uh, doesn't, doesn't get you excited about the Irish offense. Um, that's- well, they've got two weeks. They got two weeks to try to figure out their offense because they head to Chapel Hill in two weeks. And you're going to need offense to win that game. And then they go to, then they head to Provo to play BYU and you're going to need offense to win that game. So Marshall and Cal, they got two weeks to figure out uh, what they're going to do on offense because it's going to be needed in late September, early October. Well, you ain't kidding. I I almost wanted to bet North Carolina this week, but it's their defense that's shied me away from it. Uh, All right. uh, It's time to get out of here. Any final takeaways? No, I I think we, 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 you know, kind of broke these things down as to what we like. They all make sense to us. We do 
you know, again, some uh, a twenty point road favorite for me is uncommon. Uh, it's just I, I I see these games coming down to to just kind of how we broke them down. And one and four, like I said, is is not going to happen again. Uh, maybe zero and five, but one and four is not going to happen. Uh, as we, as we move on, I think next week I'm going to start breaking in some totals into my plays as we get a couple weeks under our belt and we got a little idea on what teams are doing both offensively and defensively. But uh, I guess question to you, are you going to put together a zoo parlay that I killed last week with Louisville? Uh, we are going to put together a zoo parlay, uh, Alabama. We agreed on. So I put that in there. Uh, so I need one, your, your pick, your lock for this weekend. Well, obviously my lock last week of my plays was the one that wound up killing the uh, the parlay so this week i i really really like texas san antonio at army i mean god bless those guys for going to army and in you know enlisting in our armed forces but that's a good texas san antonio team and and giving up just a field goal you're basically just asking them to win and from what i saw from army's defense i th- i don't think they're going to be able to score, uh, you know, trade scores with UTSA. So let's take UTSA minus two and a half and put it on the parlay. I like that. I like that a lot. I, another, I hate saying that I like this, but I like USC. I think, you know, Stanford, this isn't the same Stanford that we got guys like Andrew Luck and Christian McCaffrey. This, this is a, a program that's just not been going the right direction the last few years. So I, I think USC rolls this week. Uh, so I'm going to take the Trojans. Minus the eight and a half is trappy or iffy or whatever's going on in Vegas. I don't know what's going on there, but uh, we're going to go with Alabama, the UTSA Roadrunners and the USC Trojans. That's going to be your zoo degenerate parlay. You guys know we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, but mostly it is the book club. You join the Discord and and get in there and uh, shoot the shit with us. Call us out by name. We will holler right back, but most importantly, let us know what you guys did last weekend, what you're doing this weekend, and when it's all said and done, kids, it's all make some money, fools. Information on this podcast may not be construed to offer any kind of investment advice or recommendations. Under no circumstances will the owners, operators, or guests of this podcast be held responsible for damages related to its contents. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.